Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to take this opportunity to say Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. I especially want to welcome all those watching online, those a part of our campuses, our McKinney campus, Hazlitt campus, maybe someone watching in a video venue here at our Keller campus. Can we put our hands together and welcome everybody that's joining us? We're so honored to have everybody joining us in multiple locations. We uh, have a moment at all campuses at the end. I want you to stay with us. We're going to have a special candlelight moment and share that. We even mailed out candles. There'll be people in multiple places, even in their homes, and gathered with us throughout the Christmas season as one family celebrating the birth of Christ. And it's such an honor and a privilege to celebrate with all of you that are our guests, actually, as well. We so look forward to, on behalf of my wife, our team, our church family. We just love having you here with us, so we hope you feel at home. That's one of the things people tell us is when they come and gather, uh, we, we don't want to just be a, a place where we sing songs and share messages and just kind of like a concert hall or an information place. We, we like to think of it as family. It's one of our core values, so we hope you feel that way because we see you that way, and we're glad to have you with us. I also want to say to all of our church family, it's such a blessing to be celebrating Celebrating this Christmas with each and every one of you because you don't just serve people at Christmas, you serve people all year long. You really do. And I just want to thank you for your generosity and your love for people. And uh, I hear it all the time in our community. Our team hears it, whether it's at a small group or at a campus or uh, at some type of moment where someone is having their first interaction. You just love to serve them. This year, we serve more people than we ever have. We, we had multiple services, we had multiple salvations, we had multiple moments where we prayed for people, we had more baptisms than we've ever had. We had all of that, but we also served and made a bigger impact in the lives of people. And I wanna say thank you for your generosity, not only financially, but giving of your time. Almost 4,000 people serving at our serve day. That just blows my mind. It's not about the number of people, it's about Every time more of you participate in kingdom work, there were more projects, there were more lives, there were more ways that we impacted people, and we served more people and helped more people this Christmas than we ever have any other Christmas. Uh, with our single mom help that we do, uh, we gave away 700 of our single mom's Christmas gifts at Joy, amazing impact with that, adopt a family, yeah. It's a great place to clap, so, so many. We, for years, you may not be aware of this, but we, for years, have had adopt a family to help a family have Christmas that couldn't normally have Christmas, and we, we put those out, and you guys take them on so fast that we're actually, again, it's not just a church getting bigger, it's more people connected together making a bigger impact. I wanna change your perspective about it because what's happened is as we have continued to grow as a family, our impact has grown. So we actually had to ask for more families to adopt. We went to two. I want you to get this. 
two Title I schools and said, give us all your children that are on reduced lunch and we want to help them, any of them that we can. And you guys took them on and adopted those families and their Christmas is different because of it. So thank you for the way you make an impact on the lives of people. We set up a toy shop this year and we wrap the gifts and we let families shop. Amazing, amazing, amazing. It's amazing what you do every single day and I'm honored to be your pastor. I wanna tell you what I would like us to think about. I'd like you to think about every single person listening to me this Christmas. I'd like you to think about when we come to Christmas, we do a little reflection on the year, we look at our lives, and then it's also we're sort of looking ahead to turning the page to a new season, and, and we get a little bit evaluative, and it's why our expectations sort of go up at this time of year, and we, we, we have this, this look out into the future, and, and a lot of times we wanna have more hope about what's coming, and sometimes it's hard to have hope for the future because we've had a lot of missed expectations in life. See, I want, I want you to know disappointment and discouragement and, and how you deal with the journey of life is a big deal. You know, Jesus came on that first Christmas to really impact us for all eternity. But one of the things a lot of times I think people miss is how he also impacts us day to day in this journey called life. How you live your life, how you see life, how you see your past, how you see your present, how you see your future. And I don't know if life is this way for you, but for me, one of the things I've learned as I've gotten a little older is I've come to more of an acute awareness of how I have all kinds of plans and scenarios and situations and ways that I drew life up and the more I learn how little in control I actually am. Is anybody on the same journey? Maybe somebody out there. I, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I didn't really plan all of this exactly this way. Did you know sometimes some of the best things in our lives come without us even striving for them? They're just God's blessings in our life. And sometimes the things that we're looking to get so hard, we're working so hard to get, they don't end up like we expected. So we begin to understand there's something outside of us. And the Christmas story, I saw it different as I began to pray for you this year. I saw how expectation in the Christmas story and words like trust that I'd like us to unpack and how trust is connected to your hope level. But we have all these expectations and they're never higher than they are at Christmas. And uh, when you look back on our year in the little family, we... We, we had our dog, Kingston, who was kind of the family. He was a member of the family. He, he died, and so then now I was good with us not having something else to be responsible for, like a dog. Some of you are like, yeah, you're you cold-hearted soul. I have a lot, I have you to, I have sheep. I don't need a dog, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I have plenty to take care of if you're with me, okay? And yet my daughter, you know, she's a dog person, Lainey Kate, she's like, dad, she gets on the internet, she's looking at dogs, we gotta get a dog, gotta get a dog. I know some of y'all are dog people and some of you are cat people and cat, cats will end up in hell, you need to get ministered to at the end, but anyway, it's all good. But here's what you expect when you get a puppy. I said, let's not, it's like getting a toddler. This, come on everybody, oh, it's so amazing. Wouldn't it be nice if that was reality? 
Because when you get, and I'm always a forward thinker, so I'm trying to tell everybody what this means because they don't stay like this. And so we got this golden doodle. My daughter named him Baylor so that I would like him. I mean, they know all the tricks, let me tell you. And let me just tell you, he has issues. And I'm not a very good dog parent. And let me just tell you, he is out of control. I need to send him to your house if you would take him for me. He, he started out with the first thing. This is how it ends up. He ends up eating one of the pillows. This is, his, this is one of his first events. And then the next one of the others, just there's many, was that my wife was going to make, she's making dinner. I get home, I'm like, what's for dinner? She said, I made some chickpea pasta. Now I'm already having trouble with that. What was wrong with regular pasta? Why do we need cauliflower pizza? What was wrong with regular pizza? But now we're having chickpea pasta. We're, I'm telling you, it's a problem. It's a major issue. My wife's on an elimination diet. I'm on an inclusion diet, so we're having marital problems. But, but what happened was, is Baylor's big old kid. He's a big, rambunctious toddler, so he just got all fours up on the counter and was just eating the chickpea pasta dish with the cheese, which I thought was great. Now I got to DoorDash something with gluten in it. Y'all know what I'm saying? It's all good. So it all worked out. But then he's, he's got milestone DNA. He's a social guy. He's a connector. And so he's made friends. He's trying to reach his neighbors for Jesus. And so... He, we, we go, where'd he go? We thought we lost him. And then we realized he's in the neighbor's yard and we've put stones up, but he removed them and this is him. And fi we finally found him. And so this is him coming back. He's coming back home right here. I don't even know how that's possible. He's, he, <laughs> he, came, he came back home. <laughs> this is not a lie. I'm trying to get ready for Christmas services. I'm trying to get ready, trying to get my heart right, trying to get my spirit right. I wake up to dogs barking, I go out. Baylor has a small group in the backyard of dogs that have crawled through the hole. They're all out there. There's just, I don't, where did you come from? There's a dachshund, there's a Great Dane, there's just all up in there. Anyway, it's not always like you expect it to be or how you draw it up. And in the Christmas story, I saw something that I've never really seen before out of a certain segment of the story that I think you could relate to. The Bible says, may your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. What we all wanna know is that God loves us and sees us and we wanna have hope for the future, but there's some elements that go with that. I want you to watch this with me and then I'll come back and share with you. know if you've ever thought about what it would be like to be in Bethlehem on Christmas night. But a lot of times we think of a quiet little nativity scene that maybe we've had in our houses or passed down through family members or maybe through a Christmas movie that we've seen. But the, the truth is Bethlehem would have been busy that night, filled with people, crowds everywhere, no rooms. The truth is, it wasn't just a festive and fun family Christmas event, uh, a church service or a special musical. The fact is, they were gathering there in Bethlehem because they had to be counted 
to be taxed by the Romans. But, but the truth is, the, the real thing that we ought to think about is that I think most of them probably didn't know that this was one of the most significant nights in human history. But isn't that how life works? And isn't it a lot of times how God works in our lives that we're walking through the everyday life, just a, another Christmas, another day at work, another kid's activity. Right in the middle of it, God has a purpose. God has a plan. God has a specific purpose and plan for us, and there's always people in the middle of the moment that he's speaking to. Did you know that's what was happening on that very first Christmas? Most people couldn't see it, but there were some people that he was speaking to. I want us to look back on that Christmas story. I want us to think about how God comes into the everyday moments of life in the big moments. Luke 2, 8 through 12 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You know, when we see this story, we just think maybe that the shepherds were just outside of busy Bethlehem on that Christmas night and just sort of decided we'll just stroll over to see the baby Jesus because now we've heard of his announcement. But I want to really highlight an important part of this story. I want to highlight what's happening with the shepherds because I believe that there's some of you maybe that can really relate to this. And that is that these are just people going through their everyday life being shepherds and God includes them in the story. And it wasn't an easy step. It wasn't just, we're going to stroll over to Bethlehem. See, if you really understand what it means to be a shepherd in this time period and in this geographical location, having been there myself, I'm amazed at the rugged terrain, the topography. These shepherds were probably a good distance away. And I know a lot of times we think of like a, a nice green grass pasture with some sheep in it and maybe a nice little lake or pond you know maybe some kind of kind of painting that we've seen but the truth is they had a a rugged trek to Bethlehem you know you don't move sheep a lot of times when they're settled at night I like to think about the fact that you may not have known this but probably a lot of these shepherds were pretty young they, they were a lot of times the youngest of the family, so maybe they're the least experienced to be able to make a journey like this. They're dealing with sheep that are nervous animals. They're easily spooked. It's dark. They could lose them. Again, the terrain, you're like, why is that important? There could be some kind of predators or wolves or some dangerous misstep that a sheep could make, and, and these are very important to their overall livelihood but, but the truth is, here's what I love about it. 
with a lot of unexpected potential variables, with a lot of risk, with, with an out-of-the-box story, go see this Messiah, this baby, they make the journey. They, they go and do it, and they get there, and they see Mary and Joseph. They see this baby, and they're amazed. They tell everyone about it. I love that pretty, pretty intimate connection to Mary, the mother of Jesus, where we see the fact that their response causes her to ponder these things in her heart. And she's just thinking about how, how this is, is a promise from God that's come to her that's come true. And she had a lot of scary steps, just like the shepherds. Here, here's where the shepherd's story is finalized. It says, the shepherds returned. They came back glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. And I want you to really think about this. This phrase hit me this Christmas as I was praying for you, as I've been thinking about you and thinking about how God is speaking to some of you this Christmas. It says, which were just as they had been told. What does that mean? A risky journey, a challenging set of variables, a lot of things that could happen, and maybe something that could turn out different than was told to them, the Bible's clear to say that God kept his word. Just like them, here's the biggest barrier. We have all kinds of reasons not to follow, not to say yes, not to trust him. Why? Because oftentimes in life, most of life feels like nothing happens like we've been told. We're afraid, we have bad experiences, and you know what, sometimes you can have so many missed expectations, you can lose hope. Maybe there's someone I'm talking to this Christmas that you're like, I've really lost hope that these things could work out in my life. You've had a marriage that struggled, maybe you've had a, a business situation that you, you feel like you expected it to be this way and, and it's not turned out that way, and maybe even worse, you feel like you've been wronged or you've been betrayed or you've been hurt. You've got issues with your children where you're like, when I pictured it, I saw it this way. And I feel like I have the death of a dream or my expectations are not being met. And when you have things that you care about deeply that don't happen like you expect them, you can get disappointed. You can actually start to feel discouraged. And you know what's even worse? You, you can actually start to lose hope. You know what this Christmas story challenges us with? That if we'll trust God like the shepherds did, imagine what God might do if we would just trust Him. I, I know that's a, a word that has like some kind of you know spiritual and relational meaning, and, and you're like, but Jeff, that's so scary. Did you know that trusting God is the first step to experiencing God's hope? in God's joy, in God's peace. I want to take you to a verse that I want to unpack for the rest of our time together. Romans 15, 13. It says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. And then it says there's an overflow of something even greater. It says that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to read that verse. 
one more time so that it really sinks in because the word of God is alive and can speak to us in such a powerful way. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. That's what we really wanna think about together. The peace and the joy and the overflow of hope, it says, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you notice this is all contingent upon our part. His part is the joy. His part is the peace. His part is the overflow that we're looking for. Our part is the trust. And the trust is the hardest thing for us so many times. As I said, a lot of times in life, we have things that we have expectations for and they've been missed. We all have them. I have them. You know, just the other day, I I had a a moment, a a moment of celebration, something that happened, and it's still one of the most challenging things. I lost my father in 2019, and and, and for the most part, you know, I've I've kind of embraced that. You know, I believe there's a grief journey, but I, I have to tell you, one of the things you never lose is you have something happen that's really exciting, and you want to pick up the phone and call them and tell them about it. I didn't expect at this phase of my life for that to be my reality, but it is. And so some of you that have lost loved ones or found yourself in a place relationally that you didn't expect to be, and you maybe can lose some hope, that doesn't make you weird, that makes you human. I talked with a gentleman and his wife the other day. See, I not only have experienced this in my life, but I'm not just a speaker, I'm a pastor. I, I added it up at our big anniversary celebration I've done in person, close to 250 of our Discovery 101s. You heard us talking about that. Every campus, we, we, we have those every month. We, we want you to come and participate in it. And, and I'm not able to be at all the campuses and all of them, but I, I've been at many, many, most of them over the last 20 years. And I'm the last person to leave. And I shake hands with people. I met a couple the other day. Maybe you can relate to their story. They looked at me. They were emotional. They They told me, they said, we own our own business. There's not a lot of things we can't fix or a lot of things we can't do, but we have a 30-year-old son. And when you were talking about prodigals and you were talking about people that we love and our fear, will they walk out everything God has for them? We got really emotional. Pastor, would you pray for us? I want you to know whether it's your child or some situation or situation in our lives, here's what we don't expect. We don't expect that we'll be in the category of single, or I'll be in the category of single again, or I'll be in the category of grief, or I'll be in the category of challenged or trust broken or hurt, but, but we find ourselves experiencing those things in life. And the question is not, will we, as we go through the journey of life, have reasons to not trust God? The question is really, What brings us to a place where we trust him? You're like, what is trust really? Well, actually the the biblical definition, if I were to make it as practical as possible, is you're not trusting in yourself. It's not a feeling. It's, It's actually confidence in the integrity and the ability and the character of a person. And that's the good thing about what we celebrate at Christmas. 
Jesus didn't come to give us a new ideology or just a new philosophy on life. A lot of people think that today, that you know Jesus was just a good moral person who came to, to just add to our okay lives that we're already in control of and, and kind of make us better. No, he came into our world because we couldn't come to him, and he comes to invade our lives to change everything about how we see life and how we live life. We're actually not putting our confidence in a religion or an ideology. Our confidence and our trust is in a person who's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. His track record is perfect. And he never tells us in this life we won't face challenges. He actually said, in this world, you will face challenges. But here's what we have as the option. The fact that we will face them or not face them is not an option, you will. The question is, will you face them alone or you face them with some hope because you have Jesus facing it with you? Let me give you the very foundation of this life of Jesus because we'll have millions of people. That's what I love about Christmas is all across the world, people are gonna celebrate and people are gonna engage in this moment, but do we really know wherever you're at, online or at a campus or in a video venue, do you know what Christmas is all about? Do you know what this Jesus came for? What his basic life was really all about? Well, I wanna tell it to you as simple as I possibly can because I don't want you to leave Christmas not knowing the basics of what this is all about. Here it is at a fundamental level, and that is this. We are broken human beings. I know there's, a, there's, there's kind of a, a narrative in our world today that really we're, not, we're really not that bad or flawed. We're, we just need some more information, man. If we could get some better information, we'd do the right thing. I always tell people, if you think people are basically good with no flaws, you've never had any children. I don't know about yours, but I love mine to death, but I didn't have to teach them how to bite, fight, and their favorite word was mine. My dog has original sin. Are you with me? You're like, original sin, what is that? You don't have to try to do things you're ashamed of. You just find yourself there. And the question's not, do we have those problems? The question is, what do we do because we wanna have a relationship with this God that has the peace, that has the joy, that has his presence, that, that we know at some point we need something bigger than us outside of us. And this God, we're broken, but he's perfect. And so there's a gap between a perfect God and a broken us. So we end up going, how do we do that? And, and everyone ends up with some solution to this question. And what a lot of people do is, okay, well, we've got to maybe have a God who's not that perfect. I don't know if I want to trust him. I, don't, I have to kind of make a God in my own image who maybe he's shifty and maybe, maybe he's changing. And so we have to either have an imperfect God or maybe we have to have in our lives that we think we can be perfect. So you have a, a, a striving group of people who are striving to do all the perfect things only to fail and fail and fail. And what I love to say is this, this is why Jesus's message is so powerful because what you fail at long enough, you eventually quit. 
which is why you see religious people in droves try to do the right thing without a relationship with Jesus, only to find they don't have enough willpower to even try to get better. And after you fail long enough, you eventually quit the whole thing and get jaded. Jesus didn't come for a religion. He came to take broken people. He didn't come to make people that were basically okay just a little bit better. He came to take broken, dead, lifeless people who had no hope. He came and he bridged the gap. It's not about making him imperfect or ourselves perfect. If you don't have those options, then the only real option that's so powerful is you have to have a substitute to fill the gap. You have to have a substitute, and that's what Christmas is all about, that a baby came as one of us to reach us because we could never get to God. He came to us. We would never climb high enough to get to him, so he came to us, and he didn't stay a baby. He became a man. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died on the cross for us to make the payment for us. We tell ourselves in today's world, just forgive yourself. You ever told somebody that? You're just like, you're depressed, you're discouraged. Just forgive yourself. Don't tell anybody that. They don't know how to do that. Because you can't forgive yourself. Guilt will plague you until you get forgiven. You don't forgive yourself. You're forgiven by one who doesn't need forgiveness. Because he did what you couldn't do. He lived the life you could never live. He paid the price that you couldn't pay. So he comes and offers it back to you. So Jesus makes the payment. He makes the payment on the cross and then he raises from the dead. And the reason we don't just check the box of a religion, we have a relationship with a living God who's alive today, who no other person did. He rose from the dead. That's the life of Jesus. But you say, could you tell me really how this all works? Well, I could tell you and I could tell you, but I just thought I would just let a basic set of scriptures make sure you never doubt what's the message of Jesus. Romans 3.23 tells you what I just gave you a picture of. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You're like, well, why do, I, why do I feel a little guilty? I hear people say this all the time. Maybe I, I'm out reaching out to people or I do a wedding or I do a funeral or something and people come up, pastor, good talk. And you can tell they're nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs or just kind of like, I don't usually hang out in places like this. Uh, I don't know why I feel so guilty. The reason you feel guilty is because you are. You are guilty. You have offended God. You've done stuff you wish you wouldn't have done. By the way, it's not even about God's standards or anyone else's standards. We don't even meet our own standards. We can't even live up to everything we think we should be doing. Why? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But here's some good news. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. That's why the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus is like the emoji where the head's lifted off and smoke's coming out. Wait a minute. Most of the people we love, it's conditional. I'll love you if you do what's right toward me. But Jesus' love is on your worst day when you were running from him 
when you did everything to despise him and do everything against his standard, he said, I'm running to you. I'm running your direction. While we were still in our sin, he dies for us. Here's, here's a great one, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. So, so sin leads to death, we're, we're, we're all gonna die. We're, we're all going to, because sin is present in the world, death is in operation. You guys are aging before me right now, I see you. You're just getting older the more I look at you right now. We're all just getting older. Do you feel older? I do. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. But here it is. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You say, Jeff, how can you overflow with hope? I don't know what I'll face tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow. I know that in my tomorrow, I'll have Jesus. I can't promise tomorrow, but whatever I face for all eternity, I know I'm going to have Jesus in it for all of life. Here it is, you say, what do you do? Where do we trust? What does it really look like to trust? Romans 10, nine through 10 makes it real simple. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. See the trust in that? I'm not Lord, I'm not the captain of my own ship. I'm not do it your way, I'll do it my way. I don't need God, I'm in control. No, I declare with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and you're justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith. And the Bible says you are saved. That's the simple message of the story of Jesus. And you're like, Jeff, that's so simple. We're broken, he died for us. All we have to do is confess him as Lord, believe it and say it and receive it. Why wouldn't we do it if it's that simple? Well, can I share with you some things and Many, many years of doing Christmas services, Easter services, services in general, um, sharing with people about Jesus in my personal life, doing, doing things with family members and friends and, and 30 years. Here's some, I, I don't believe this is an exhaustive list, but I've just compiled some that I think are where we live as human beings. Because you're like, trust equals hope. Trust equals hope. I want to have more hope, but why do I struggle to trust? Here's a few that I've run into. Number one, I don't want to disrespect my heritage. So when I stand here and I don't give you my opinion, I read Romans 10, 9 through 10 and say, you know, there has to be a moment where you confess Jesus is Lord. You have to say, you know what? I'm not going to be Lord. I want to confess him as my Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I'm going to make that profession of faith. I'm going to commit to that decision. You're like, that seems so easy. It seems so simple. It doesn't say you might be saved. It says... You are saved when you do that. But what I find is a lot of times when people hear that message, they say, it's normal. Well, 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 I'm a Catholic. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Catholic. My wife's a Baptist, so we're a Captist family. I'm a Lutheran. I'm a Methodist. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, can I tell you this, friend? When you stand before Almighty God one day and you will, it won't matter what label you put on it. It's not going to matter. Use your style, whatever style you like. That's all irrelevant. There's no answer when you get to heaven. I did it Baptist-like. I did it Catholic-like. He's like, 
I don't care what like you did it. If you haven't received my son, you don't have interest into my kingdom. But it's easy to do because you're kind of like, it's not just that I was this, it's if I do that, what will all my family say? What will they say? Well, that's where trust comes in. You know what's interesting about trust? One wise person said the only way to trust is to trust. You have to start by trusting Jesus. So did you know your journey, not, it doesn't just start with trust, it'll be a journey of trust. And so when you have to trust him to say yes to him for your salvation, guess what? You'll trust him when he says, I want you to get in a tank and get dunked. You're like, that too? I don't wanna scare you yet. There's all kinds of crazy stuff that goes with the deal. I grew up in a church where we dunked folk. We had a mural. We had the, the, the Jesus and John the Baptist, two blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jewish men. I don't know how that happened in an armadillo in the foreground. And, and we dunked folk and put them under. And they get to come up saying, tithe, and together we build. And you're like, man, wow. Well, I'm not going to do that. There's all kinds of things that go with a relationship with Jesus. And you go, I'm not Lord. So I'm just going to trust. And you trust him and say yes to him. And guess what he does? He'll work on your family. He'll work that out too. Did you know there's a verse of scripture where Jesus told a group of people, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Your tradition can keep you from the person. That's why you have to trust. Trust. Here's another one I found. I, I'm mad at God, or maybe you think God is mad at you. And I want to say this with all sincerity. We in the Christian community haven't done a good job at answering this. This is probably one of the biggest ones, especially among young people, because younger people today don't have as many identifications with heritage. They just are now living in an in a undefined world. And when I meet with people and talk with them about their relationship with Jesus and talk about trusting, can I share with you honestly what I find? It's not the intellectual barriers. It's not what happened to the dinosaurs and, you know, could God make a rock so big he couldn't pick up? And it's not that. It's most of the time you're asking me to trust a God that I can't see and I've never met a person that I can see that I can trust. It's most of the time we superimpose on God how we've had experiences with people. And I want to encourage you with this. There's challenges in our world because when the first man sinned, sin entered the world. And so we live in a fallen world. In this side of eternity, it will have challenges and evil and brokenness in it. And God can redeem and God can restore and God can change things. But as I said earlier, the fact that you will face challenge is not a question. The choice you have to make is, will I face it alone or will I face it with a relationship with a Jesus who can take me through it? And there's so many people think God is mad at them. If I'll do more, he'll love me more. Let me take you back to the verse. While you were still a sinner, he demonstrated his love for you in that condition. So does he approve of everything you're doing? Does it please him? Did you know there's certain things that God tolerates that he's not pleased with? 
Any parents in the room? Sometimes you're just like, I didn't see that, but I made a note. But the fact that you still love them is not a question. So he's still pursuing you. Here's another one. This is a big one in our culture. I'm a good person, Jeff. You're telling me that I've got to make a profession of faith to a Jesus and make him Lord when I'm one of the best people I know. It's the religion of our current day. By the way, in our current day's religion is not some identifying label. It's the number one thing of today. I'm a good person. Which when we say that, what we're really saying is, I'm good in comparison to every other person I know. But we judge ourselves on our intentions and everybody else on their behaviors. So the truth is, I'm a good person, and we are created in the image of God, and you may do some good things, but we never meet the standard of perfect. So that keeps us sometimes from trusting. And here's probably the biggest one, fear. It's just fear. And so at some point, it's just, I still have questions. Can I encourage you? You'll, you can have questions and still say yes to Jesus. I still have questions. I have studied every annal of theology. I've been preaching. I still have questions, but my questions don't stop me from trusting. I just, you just have to trust, or I don't know if I can live up to this. Let me help you. You can't. You can't. You can't. He in you can do more than you'll ever imagine, but you'll have to trust him. And so it's one step of trust after another. You're like, Jeff, what, is, what does this really mean? Well, it means that to have more hope, you have to trust. To overflow with it, you have to trust. And there has to come a defining moment that you just say yes to Jesus. It's kind of like the Bible uses a picture of marriage. I'll just give you this one and then I'll pray for you. This is as simple as I know how to make it. My wife, I met her for the first time when she was 12 years old. Our families became friends and I met her at 12 and I didn't pay a lot of attention to her. And actually at Christmas 1994, my mom and my now mother-in-law contrived a scheme for a Christmas event. And my mom said, why don't you come and visit? And now we're, I'm in college. And so I go to see my mom and I meet this girl, Brandy, and she's not 12 anymore. I mean, the woman of God has glowed up. And I'm like, whoa, I think I'm going to try to spend the rest of my life with her if I got a chance. You're like, you're crazy. I look, I know a good thing when I see it. You know what I'm saying? And after I talked to her for a little while, I'm like, man, but I don't, I want to let you ladies in on something. We guys, we have trouble with fear issues. We try to act tough, but we're scared of rejection. So here's what I did. I just called my mom and said, could you check out the territory for me? See if I got a chance. But did you know my mom kind of checked out the territory? I found out, hey, we got a chance. I could study marriage. I could YouTube marriage. I could read about marriage. I could know all the facts about marriage. But at some point on November the 18th, 1995, I had to stand in front of a group of people and say yes to marriage. I still had to take the step and the leap and just say, okay. And so I want to ask you this question. I understand you could know the concepts of Jesus. You could know the things about Jesus. You could have studied some things about him. But my question is, 
have you really trusted Jesus? I want you to know as I shared this message with you this Christmas, I was thinking about you. If you're that person who says, you know, that's me. I need to trust Jesus. I thought right here in this final moment, I, I could just lead you in a simple prayer to help you give your life to Jesus. Surrender to him. Let's do it together. Jesus, I surrender all to you. You know I've made mistakes. I know I've made mistakes. But I want to confess you now as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life and save me. If you prayed that prayer, there's a QR code right there on the screen. And we're ready to serve you. I have some resources I would love to send you to help you with your new decision to follow Jesus. But I know there's some of you, you're like, Jeff, well, I know Jesus, but I'm, I'm struggling with something. I'm, I'm struggling with a kid that's maybe having a hard time or difficulties, a loved one, a health problem, a financial situation. And this Christmas, you're looking for hope. I want to pray for you too. And Lord, I pray right now that you would help every person just to trust you. And Lord, that we, we, we know, even when we don't understand everything, when we trust you, you're bringing hope to every single person. You know, if you prayed that prayer as well, and you'd just like some encouragement, you'd like our team to send you some resources, you can go to that QR code as well. We're here, ready. We, we want you to know we, we love you, we're praying for you, and we're thinking about more hope for you this Christmas. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.